Okay, uh, welcome to my second installment of how I ended up with a narcissist and felt trapped and didn't quite know how to escape. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of, you know, start at the beginning. I grew up in a pretty normal family. Um, you know, I, I, I did luckily, um, have, um, a pretty strong family dynamic that had, you know, both parents together, which I didn't find out till later on. There were, you know, our own set of issues. Um, but regardless, I was the youngest of four children. I was the only boy, um, growing up in, in the Southwest, um, very religious family was very religious. Uh, they really praised boys, um, and being the youngest and being the only boy, I did get a, a large amount of love and affection and praise thrown my direction being the, uh, you know, the carrier, the one that's going to carry on our family name, all that good stuff. Uh, I, I think that, I think that a lot of it was unwarranted. I don't think it was very fair. Um, I have had to let go of a lot of guilt towards my, um, older sisters, not having that same love and affection be thrown their direction as it was mine, which I was completely unaware of as I had just grown up with it. But regardless, I mean, I did have a very, because of that upbringing, because I got a lot of praise, it could have, you know, molded me into something that was kind of arrogant and not empathetic and everything else. If there wasn't for changes that happened a little bit later on in life with my family dynamic and everything else. And, you know, I kind of pushed myself into my own roadblocks, uh, moved out of the house after I graduated high school. Uh, pretty much the next day after I graduated high school, I, I moved out, hit some, hit some, uh, crazy times and didn't really look back for a while. Uh, went to college, dropped out of college, moved back. Then I ended up moving to Las Vegas. Um, and that is where I met my narcissist. Um, and when I was in Vegas, I was playing in a band, bartending at a, at a bar that was, you know, bikers by day and, you know, hard rock bands, punk bands, you know, rockabilly metal, you know, all that crazy stuff at night. Uh, it was a graveyard bartender. So I would get there right when, you know, the bands were playing. Sometimes I'd get there early if they were busy and stay till 8 a.m. I mean, it was a live fast lifestyle. So by no means am I any kind of angel in this situation. You know, I definitely <clears throat> danced with my own demons, um, which I think kind of paved the way for me to be accepting of this narcissist as I had been showered with praise early. I gained a lot of confidence. And then after distancing myself from my religious upbringing and kind of trying to pave my own path, I did leave myself vulnerable. <clears throat> um, 
vulnerable to somebody like that to kind of come in and, and shower me with praise again, which I had not really received. It was a pretty lonely lifestyle that I was leading. Uh, it was fun. I had a lot of fun. There was a lot of good times, a lot of really dark times, probably things that I'll take to my grave. Uh, but with that being said, I uh, was at a position where I, I was ready, I think, to meet someone, and then in comes the narcissist. She was living with one of my my uh, friends, which is kind of funny. It was it was it was somebody that I dated for a few months, um, very loosely. Uh, you know, we were we were just kind of hanging out. We were friends, and we would occasionally um, hook up basically, um, for lack of a better term. And then, and then we stopped and we were friends for, you know, two years, three years. We just realized we were better off friends. Um, so then this girl meets my narcissist, my ex narcissist. Uh, they meet at a bar. Oh, I, you know, my roommate's kicking me out. I moved here. Um, from across the country, I need, you know, trying to find a roommate, do you know anyone that needs a roommate, type thing. Next thing you know, she moves in with my friend, I meet her through said mutual friend, and, uh, we hit it off, um, she was entering that first phase of, of the love bombing, where, you know, she would praise me, tell me I was wonderful, tell me all these great things, uh, there were some signs early on, I mean, a major sign is that, you know, she didn't have any friends. The only friends that she had were three friends that she moved here or to Las Vegas with, not here because I don't live there anymore. But, you know, then she gets kicked out. Uh, she, her ex-boyfriend or her boyfriend followed her there. And, you know, she didn't really have any friends. She didn't have any close friends. She didn't have anybody to really talk to. I know as I got to know her, you know, all of her ex-boyfriends were horrible people. They were assholes. They were, you know, liars. They were cheaters. They were this, they were that. Uh, there was never any blame in her direction for anything that had happened. Even looking back at it, there was, there was times where she would tell me that, you know, when she broke up with her one boyfriend, she threw all of his stuff in the front yard and, um, lit some of it on fire. And in my mind, I think that I was just blowing it off that like, yeah, this guy was just a real jerk. Um, I guess he deserved it. I don't know. Like it seemed pretty extreme. And I remember being a little bit taken back by that, like, holy cow, um, what am I getting myself into? But it was kind of a, a, a thought that was there. And because I was still in that idol idolization phase where uh, she had me on a pedestal, she would, you know, speak so highly of me, um, I didn't really see it. Then there were other things like the way she would talk to her mom. Um, if she didn't like something that her mom would say, she was really quick to complain and cry. If she needed money, um, you know, she always had 
her mom to, you know, scream at, you don't ever do anything for me, you don't ever do this, you don't ever do that, you know, F you, hang up, um, and then next thing you know, her mom's wiring her money. Um, I thought that that was a really interesting dynamic, because I was just like, I would never, ever, in a million years speak to my mom like that, and there were times that I asked for things for my parents that were not given to me, that I felt were times where, <laughs> you know, one would scream at somebody um, if if they were, you know, being a bratty child, um, thinking that they're, they're owed the world, which again, you know, kind of brings you back to that uh, inflated self-ego, grandiose um, entitlement um, that narcissists have, um, you know, playing the victim, always the victim, um, all of it all of them were major red flags, but I had no clue what narcissism was. I had never come across anybody like this. All I knew was that I thought that this was just some kind of family dynamic between her and her mom. She had some bad luck with guys. You know, that's fine. I can fix it. I'm, I'm a good guy. I, I, I won't be that, you know, um, yeah, little did I know that, you know, the victim mentality would just kind of be there forever. Um, yeah, so so this whole time, you know, this pulling me in, pulling me in, pulling me in, building me up, building me up, building me up, building me up. Um, then she moves in with me. Um, and she moves into my place. I have a roommate. Her and a roommate get and my roommate get into a fight because she didn't like that um, they were not the cleanest people. Um, you know, they wouldn't clean their cat litter box um, as often as they should. And she would come home and, you know, scream at the top of her lungs how much of a losers they were and how trashy they were and everything else because the cat litter box wasn't cleaned out the way she would have liked it to be. Um, you know, she, she, uh, started a fight with my roommate. I mean, granted, my roommate at the time wasn't a roommate that I chose. I lived in a pretty large house in Las Vegas with five, you know, bedrooms in it. I had, you know, three other roommates. Um, it was, it was kind of a, it was an interesting situation. It was almost like we, we rented rooms and then had some shared living space. Um, but for the most part, it was almost like a dorm. It was like, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, but this particular roommate was not the best roommate. Um, he was kind of a horrible person. I'll give her that. But um, to be able to have the audacity to, you know, just run around the house screaming when you had only been, you know, living there for a couple of weeks um, and screaming obscenities to this person, um, then that roommate, who was also you know, I'm sure had, you know, his own personality disorders and everything else, you know, starts, you know, screaming, his girlfriend comes out of the room and she starts screaming, you know, and my ex and I were in my bedroom. Um, she locked the door, basically barricaded herself in the room, then called the police and then cried victim saying that they threatened to kill her, um, and all this stuff, put a restraining order against them. They ended up having to move out. Um, all because of something that she instigated and, and, and started over something as, as minor as, you know, a dirty house. Um, and during that whole process, she 
was upset at me. Um, and it was my fault as well because, you know, I didn't stick up for her. I didn't stick up for her. You know, why didn't you get my back? You know, they're trashy. You know that they're dirty. You know that they're this. You know that they're that. Um, and, you know, nobody ever sticks up for me. Nobody ever, you know, I say things that are true. I tell the truth. And nobody gets my back. So it was, it was, it was a lot of, then, then the, uh, the guilt started, um, and the, the shaming, um, again, I did not realize it at the time, you know, then we end up moving out of that place because she has issues with my other roommates. And I think part of it was that she was trying to distance me from my roommates. Um, then she got to be very close with my, uh, best friend that had lived in Las Vegas with me. They, they had a, you know, she, and, and, and at the time I just thought they had a good friend connection, you know, and he could talk to her if she was upset about something about me. Um, a lot of times, you know, he was up late, she was up late. I would be graveyard bartending. And so then she would start to say things like, I think he was hitting on me. I think he was flirting with me. Like, are you sure he's that good of a friend? Like, I feel like he's, we went to a concert together and uh, saw this band Real Big Fish, and the names of one of the, the songs was um, I Want Your Girlfriend to Be My Girlfriend. And me and my buddy would always go to concerts together, and we would always sing, you know, and a lot of the songs we knew, so we would, you know, throw our hands in the air and, you know, put our fists up and, you know, sing to each other and, like, look at each other and sing, and, and he sang that line to her. Um, you know, I Want Your Girlfriend to Be My Girlfriend, which, you know, knowing him as a person that it literally meant nothing literally meant nothing it's just a line in a song he could have looked at her and said uh you know the record company is going to give me lots of money and and it would have had the same meaning to him uh so you know but in her mind you know being the uh center of her own universe um that was a big deal uh so so then came the uh, triangulation, like, you know, well, Evan, um, my friend, you know, thinks that you're this, he thinks that you're that, uh, you know, why would you even be friends with him? Like, he doesn't even really like you the way you like him. Like, you are weird about your friendship. Like, I don't know if you even like girls, you know, and would say things like that and then try to guilt me and try to make me feel bad for my sexuality and my gender, um, which is, you know, narcissists hit you on all levels they hit you wherever you think wherever they think that you have any sort of confidence or uh, strength or just stability um, they try to hit you on every level um, and so then she would try to like say weird things you know just because I'm a straight male she would say things like what are you guys gay together like I don't even understand um, you know maybe you just like him and you know I Sometimes, you know, guys do have their own, um, you know, friendships. And if they're very, very close friends, like, you know, they can tease each other about whatever and vice versa. But uh, it didn't seem playful. It didn't seem like she was just being silly. It seemed like she was very serious. Um, well, it didn't seem she, she was. She was serious. And she started to get jealous of my friendship with my friend. Um, there was no amount of, you know, consoling I could do 
There was no amount of anything I could do when she would get angry at me. If I wasn't defending her, she would just stay mad at me and she would give me the silent treatment. And then when she would talk to me, she would just demean me. Um, and at this point, I had gotten in pretty deep with her because I had never moved in with another person before. And she kind of, you know, worked her way into living with me by um, circumstantial things with my old roommate, my old roommate, uh, or her old roommate, I'm sorry, did not like me, or did not like her, did not think that we should be together, uh, did not trust her, she told me, um, so she wanted to move out, move in with me, because, again, it was a threat to our relationship, it was a threat to her losing control over me, which she, I think, at this point, had recognized that she, she had um, and she didn't want me to have any outside influences. Same with my friends, same with my roommates, same with anybody that came in contact with her for too long would recognize she was not good for me. Um, and so she would do her best to distance me from them by, you know, rules of, you know, ways of triangulation, um, ways of just demeaning the other person and, and empowering themselves as the you know, the only one that's going to tell me how it really is. The only one that's really going to shoot straight, that's really going to tell me the truth. Um, all these other people aren't out for my benefit. She is. Um, you know, and, it, and it's one of those things where it's like your mind knows better. But the more you hear these things, the more these things are repeated and repeated and repeated, you start to distance yourself um, and you start to question everything. Um it's a very dark place to be and it's very sad. And then, you know, you're, you're getting bonded with this person who's inflicting the trauma. Um, and you don't even realize it's happening. Um, so then we moved out of that house. I moved into a, my band members with my band members, you know, we, we played in a band together and we would practice every night. Um, you know, she was fine with that at first. And then it got to a point where she would get, angry. She would get jealous if I spent too much time with them. She would always want to hang out in the room. I kind of wanted to hang out with everybody and, you know, communicate and talk. And then she started telling me that, you know, my bassist was weird. My drummer was weird. Like, why does he wear his hair like that? You know, and so-and-so said this about you when you weren't around. Like, they think you're, you know, lazy or they think you're whatever. Like, it, it was, you know, who knows what it was. You know, they think you sing, um, you know, they don't think you're a great singer. They're talking about possibly kicking you out. Like, you know, just kind of creating chaos, you know, wherever she was, but very secretive, very covertly. And then when we're in front of everybody, she's fine. Um, so, so I distanced myself from them. Um, and they saw it. They didn't care for her. And as soon as they started to talk to me on the side about how they didn't care for her, she got more aggressive, you know, with, with, um, you know, attacking them on the side and then trying to triangulate the situation. So-and-so thinks this about you. So-and-so thinks that about you. So I started, you know, asking my friends about it and, you know, no, dude, I would never say that. You know, I, why, why would you think that? Like, no, 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 no. So a lot of times there would be a word or a phrase or something that was mentioned like, oh yeah, sometimes he does this you know, and, um, she would take that, expand on it, elaborate on it, just exaggerate everything out, um, to make them look horrible, to make me not trust them. Um, so I began to just not trust anybody. 
um, other than her, um, because I felt like she wouldn't lie to me. She would shoot me straight, even though I knew better. It was, it was a weird game of, you know, messing with your brain, you know, psychologically speaking, especially with someone who like me, who was pretty strong. Um, I mean, I moved out of the house the day after I graduated high school. I really prided myself on being an independent thinker, an independent person. Um, and you know, I got to a point to where the longer I was with this person, the more I realized, like, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. Am I weak? Am I? You know, and then you go back and forth with your own brain. Um, really damaging. Um, I can not imagine already having low self-esteem, um, already having been broken in so much disrepair and having to be stuck with a narcissist. I think part of the reason that I stayed in the relationship even as long as I did was because I was strong and because I felt I could handle it because I was so prideful. I thought, I can do this. I can make this work. Like, I just have to figure out, the longer it went in the relationship, the more I thought, I just have to figure out what's wrong with her. I just have to figure it out. I have to figure it out. Um, you know, because that's my personality, which is, you know, the, the perfect storm for a narcissist is to have somebody that just won't give up and that is so loyal um, that they will just, you know, continue. Um, so anyway, you know, I played a, there, there were times we would get in arguments and the arguments started piling up. She ended up going to, um, back to, to New York where, where, uh, she was from, um, one time. And then she ended up, you know, confessing to me that she had slept in a bed with her ex-boyfriend, uh, who was a bartender at the time. Um, swore to me that nothing happened, that she just was too drunk to drive and she passed out, stayed in the same bed with him. Um, I never believed it. I never believed it. It did create extra strain on our relationship. Um, this was not during a great time. Shortly after that, she became pregnant, um, which come to find out, fast forward, you know, 11 years, 12 years later, um, I did end up ordering a paternity test online and doing like a mouth swab with my son. Um, I had to do it kind of secretly because I didn't want him to think that I was questioning anything, but I never got the answer from her. So I ordered it online, shipped it back to the company to examine it. Um, the child is mine. So that's good. Um, you know, it wasn't, but the, the timing was, was awkward and weird and really had me second guessing, um, for a while if the child was, was mine or not. And I'm, you know, happy to say he is, um, even if he wasn't, I love him with all my heart. So, um, but yeah, so, so she went away, that happened, um, you know, I, I uh, didn't really know what to do. You know, we became at odds end more and more. Um, and she just would make me feel guilty for not trusting her. Um, shifting blame, shifting blame, shifting blame. Anytime I would bring up anything about, you know, this or that, like, we've already discussed that. I've already told you I didn't sleep with them. I just was drunk. Why is this a big deal? Like, you're such a weirdo. Like, you're so jealous. Like, you're such a jealous person. You're so this, you're so that. Um, 
and make me feel bad for having feelings, um, or at least attempt to make me feel bad, which, you know, narcissists are very manipulative and, and do a very good job at it. So after that, she, she did end up getting pregnant. I don't really remember exactly when in the relationship it was. I know we were in Las Vegas at my, uh, living with my band members. Um, really nice house. Um, once she got pregnant, she really started to distance herself from everybody and then really turned up the heat on, you know, making my friends the enemy, making all my girlfriends especially. Uh, she would, you know, did you ever sleep with her? Did you ever do this? Did you ever do that? Like, why are you friends with all these girls? Why are you this? Why are you that? I think that they all want you. Um, girls just aren't friends with guys. Like, look at her. I see the way she looks at you. I see the way you look at her. Like, it's weird. Uh, why are you so weird about it? You know, any any threat, she would try to make me second guess my friendships with. And I did. I had an eclectic group of friends. Um, and we were all very close. We were all from different states, different areas, and we kind of created our own family through the years in Las Vegas together. And she just kind of damaged it, just destroyed it all. Uh, we would have, you know, once a month or once every couple months, we'd have a group of people together. And, you know, they'd come over, have a house party, nothing too crazy, um, have bands play in the garage. It was really fun. Um, it was really good times. But when I would try to go out to hang out with people, if I was out there for too long and would come back into the bedroom because she would not. At this point, she she was all in. Um, it's war. I hate your friends. I don't know why they're here. Um, they don't even like you. Uh, they don't like me. Um, if they don't like me, you shouldn't like them. Uh, why wouldn't you defend me to them? Why don't they see that I'm a good person? Um you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I remember one particular party where somebody, I don't know if she came out and just didn't say anything to anyone and grabbed something to drink and then walked back to the bedroom and just put her head down and just ignored everybody. Um, but after that, some I'm sure some they were kind of discussing things amongst themselves, talking about how she's not a great person, I'm sure. <laughs> and because uh, everyone else around me could see it. Everyone could see it but me. And they didn't know how to talk to me about it because I would try to defend her. I would try to defend things, you know, and then she would just keep saying, why aren't you defending me? Which made me defend her harder, even when it was uncomfortable, even when it didn't feel natural, even when I didn't feel that I should be defending her because what she did was shitty. I would still defend her because I was confused. I was manipulated. I was, I was kind of convinced that like, oh, this is what people do. People do this. This is what they do. They defend each other. Um, or just don't be an asshole. That's, that's, you know, that's another path, but no, not, not when it comes to, to narcissists, they, they feel that they have to constantly, um, be defended, um, and be right. And she was in a situation which she could not control. And so she spiraled into doing some pretty crazy things. And this specific night, um, someone, hocked a loogie and spit on our doorknob when she had left the room. So when she came back to the room, she went to grab the door handle and somebody at the party had hocked a loogie and spit on the door handle and it got all over her hand, which is really disgusting. Um, I got mad um, because she came into the room, you know, 
holding her hand and crying, like, are you not going to do anything about this? How dare you? So I went out there, you know, I kind of worked myself up to being angry, even though like, if it was me, I kind of would have just been like, that's really gross, you know, but then I worked myself to being angry. Then I went out and started screaming at everybody, like, who did this? Who did this? Who did this? And nobody would look at me. Nobody would, you know, talk to me about it. I kind of screamed at everybody, went back in the room and then she was happy. Because now she had created chaos. Um, who knows? She might have even been the one to just hawk a loogie into her own hand. I mean, uh, you can't really put that past a narcissist. But everybody's like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, which made me look like an ass. And then everyone was upset at me. Um, I was upset with myself. But she was very happy with me. Um, it was awful. Uh, at some point she got pregnant. I went to play a concert one evening, um, and we got in an argument before, you know, because she didn't want me to hang out after the concert. She wanted me to come straight home, which was not something I was used to. I was not used to doing that. I'm used to being out with my friends, which, you know, now looking back, she didn't want me to hang out with my friends because she didn't want me to discuss anything with them. She didn't want them to convince me that she's not good for me so you know she started an argument before I left guilting me guilting me shaming me shaming me for for doing the concert for playing in a band for doing all these things and not giving her the attention she wanted the attention she didn't like when I had a spotlight or any kind of attention on me because then that was a fear of her losing me and she couldn't have that because she had what she wanted. She had somebody that was empathetic and would, you know, kind of cater to her. Um, and so I was still very stubborn, even though she saw these characteristics in me, I was still very stubborn. Um, and I basically said, screw you, I'm going to go out. I'm going to play the concert. I've been looking forward to this concert for months. I'm going to go out. And when I didn't come home after the concert, um, we had gotten in such a bad fight that I ended up staying at a friend's house. Um, and in the interim, she had taken all my old t-shirts, my bands, um, that I had played with in the past. Um, you know, different concert t-shirts that were completely, um, irreplaceable. They weren't in circulation. They were, a lot of them were local bands or touring bands that never got signed to major labels. And she cut holes in all of my shirts, um, with scissors that she had from college when she was going to school for being a uh, designer, a fashion designer. So she took these scissors and just kind of sliced up all my shirts, cut the, there's one hoodie in particular, she cut the sleeves off of the hoodie completely. Um, and then just left them all in the closet. And when I got back and I looked in my closet, um, there, there was just, everything was all cut up. Um, and she denied it. What are you talking about? I didn't do that. Like, oh my gosh, why would I do that? And it was just kind of like, whoa. You know, and at this point she's pregnant. And I'm just thinking, okay, maybe it's hormonal. Maybe it's this. And it's still some reason. I didn't, I didn't, I was so angry at her. But, um, yeah, I, I, she, found a way to make me feel guilty about the concert and about going out. And, you know, I think she actually did end up finally 
you know, somewhat admitting and then just saying like, well, you're an asshole. Well, you're this, well, you're that. Um, you didn't defend me. You didn't, you didn't come back for me. You know, I'm pregnant with your child and you're going out to play a concert and hang out with your friends. Like you're going to be a horrible father. You need to, you know, get real. This is real life. Come back to reality. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, really just laying on the guilt and, and, and now looking back at it, was I a jerk? Um, I don't think so. Um, I was a guy living a single man's life for many years in a fast city playing in a band. Um, there was a lot of patterns that I had developed and a lot of good friends that I had relationships with that was not respected. Um, and even up until a few years ago, I thought that I was still like a jerk, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, well, you know, she was mad. She did, you know, horrible things, but I did, you know, go out. I did stay out all night and then crash at a friend's house. You know, I, I, that's on me. I'm kind of a jerk. Um, well, I think it was just a product of fear. Um, I didn't want to be around somebody that had the ability to lash out and make me feel so horrible about myself. Um, and I needed time to cool off. So, yeah. So then after that, I mean, another incident, we had an argument. I stayed at a friend's house. I came home. I didn't tell her I was home. I slept on the couch. Um, when she woke up, she saw me on the couch and she threw her phone at me. That was the first incident of her physically, um, trying to hurt me. Um, and at this point, I believe she was, you know, probably close to six months pregnant. Um, she threw a phone, it hit me in the face. Um, the phone actually split my lip on my upper lip and it went through my lip. Um, it split it all the way through. I ran into the bathroom and there was just gushing blood all over my face. And, um, you know, she swore it was on accident, um, that she meant to hit the wall or the couch. She wasn't actually trying to hit me. Um, but when I saw the look in her eyes, there was no denying it. She 100% was, was trying to hit me. Um, and she did square in the mouth and it split my lip. It was, it was the darkest blood I think that's ever come out of my body. Um, went through my lip. I could see my tooth through my upper lip when I pulled it apart after washing it out. And then she tried to come in and, um, console me and try to help me fix it. And I yelled at her to get away from me. Um, I was upset. <sighs> then she called her mom. Um, that's when her mom started getting involved and she started to get her mom to get her back with me. Um, then she basically told me right around then, um, I'm moving back to New York. You can either come with me or you can be a scumbag dad and pay child support the rest of your life and never see your child. I don't really care what you do, but my mom's buying me a plane ticket. I'm leaving in 10 days. You can either come with me or not. So what are you going to do? So she basically gave me an ultimatum. Um, and I said, I'm going to have to think about it. Um, she was not happy with that. And then she basically laid on how much of a scumbag I would be, how much of a loser I would be, how much of a dirtbag I am, and all these things. Um, I basically 
succumb to the pressure of, you know, my, my upbringing was very much, you are there for your family. Um, and I don't think it was a wrong decision moving here. The circumstances in which I did, um, is kind of unforgivable. Um, it should have been a discussion, not an ultimatum. Um, there was a lot of animosity for years after that, but that is how I ended up moving to New York from Las Vegas was basically through, um, constant, you know, degrading. And at this point I had been deprived of friendships, deprived of any kind of outside influence. Um, you know, she had at that point kind of done the same thing with my family and, and, and made me feel like I couldn't trust my family. Um, and it was just a really bad situation to where she had already had me isolated within the course of, you know, just a little under a year of living with her. Um, I had gone from a completely confident, independent young man to a completely downtrodden, um, emotionally damaged, physically damaged, um, even sexually damaged, um, individual, um, to the point where I just kind of left my life, left everything that I had built, um, to be there for my unborn son, that I felt that was the path that I needed to take. Um, so I took it, um, there was so much animosity, um, I still have a little bit of animosity um, about how that worked. I've tried to let that go at this point. Um, you know, my life is probably for the better. I've tried to justify it. I've tried to do all kinds of stuff. But the the, the way those actions happened, um, I mean, it's just everything about it, you know, from the, the triangulation to the isolation to the, to the you know, the gaslighting of events. Um, you know, there's there's so many things that happened, um, the demanding that she be placed on the pedestal, um, it, I was in a relationship because of loyalty and guilt, um, and I got hooked, like she hooked me and hoovered me in, and anytime she would do something mean, she would hoover me back and apologize if she did something that she knew was way out of line. Um, she would turn on the tears, cry until I was more vulnerable, and then she would flip the script, change it. Um, well, it's your fault. Well, it's your fault. Well, actually, you know, I know I did these horrible things, but you're not doing this. You're not meeting my needs. You're not doing this for me. You're not doing that for me. You're not defending me. You're not sticking up for me. You're not loving me the way I feel I should be loved. Um, you know, you're out, you know, working, um, doing this and that, you know, just, just basically, you know, and, and to not keep this story going too much longer here, um, this is just the, the, you know, part one of, of our relationship. Um, you know, any, any, any girl for sure was isolated right away and, and kicked out of my circle of, of trust. Um, but I had a friend who was the first girl that I met when I moved here that I ended up moving in with. Her name was, um, well, I guess I shouldn't say all the names <laughs> right now because I'm still trying to go through 
um, the court process. Um, and it hasn't started quite yet, so this this podcast is is still kind of set in a way for privacy's sake. But anyway, this friend that I had, that was my first roommate, I had known her for years. Um, only friends, completely platonic, amazing. I loved her dearly. Um, she wanted to throw a going away party for me. My friends actually came into town from out of state um, that had lived in Las Vegas with me as well. They came into town for this going away party, um, and it was such a big deal because my narcissist was not invited. She was not invited to the party. Um, she was hurt and she was angry. And my friend was like, well, you're pregnant. I wouldn't think that you would want to go to a bar and be at a bar pregnant. You know, you can come if you want to, but I just didn't think it would be something that you would want to do. So, you know, which was no big deal. But apparently, you know, she hates me. She's evil. You better not go to that. You better not go. How dare you? How dare you even consider going? Um, they're doing all these things behind my back. They're going to try to convince you that I'm not good for you because they hate me because they're losers and they're this and they're that. Um, I ended up not going and they were calling me and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm nervous. You know, and I, and I never ended up going to my own going away party. So I never got closure with all my closest friends. Um, there's about 15 people that were there. Um, and then some other people too, but you know, there's a group of us that would all hang out together often. And, um, I didn't get any closure from any of them. Um, I didn't get it say my goodbyes. And I hold a lot of guilt about that being manipulated enough and brainwashed enough. But um, those are some of the things I'm trying to let go of because I know now what I was dealing with then and how I was completely blindsided as never meeting a personality like this before. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, um, there was a couple other incidents, incidences where, uh, you know, she had gotten physical with me, um, while we lived there, but this was, you know, these, these things started to really, really come on strong once she was pregnant and she knew that, you know, she had me and she had that guilt that she could hang over my head um, to where she could do no wrong because she was pregnant um, and use that as a manipulation technique to control my emotions. Um, was I right all the time? No. Um, I was at a bar and we were about 10 blocks away from where we lived and I had uh, beer. I wasn't drunk, but she was telling me I was drunk. Um, and she, we were driving back to the house. Um, and she was screaming at me saying, how dare you? Um, and was it right? No. Um, again, I did a lot of things in the past that I don't do now. Thank God. Um, but I was, I was, you know, fairly young at this point and, and lived a lifestyle where this stuff was, was unfortunately normal. Uh, definitely no angel. Um, 
But anyway, she started screaming at me um, while I was driving. And, um, you know, then she started punching me in the face um, while I'm driving, telling me that I shouldn't drive and starts punching me in the face while I'm driving. Um, I didn't know what to do. I got so mad um, that I punched my windshield. Um, and it completely broke my windshield. Uh, because I wasn't going to hit her. Um, but she just kept bombarding me and bombarding me and bombarding me and bombarding me. You know, um, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're such a loser. You're such a loser. You're drunk. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not drunk. Um, again, shouldn't have been driving, but she didn't have a driver's license. Um, and um, she punched me about three or four times. Then I, and then I punched my windshield. And she didn't touch me again. But I felt really awful about that. That I would be pushed to a point where I physically had a rage inside me towards this person. I had never felt that before. I had only been in pretty healthy relationships. I mean, you know, all relationships have their issues. Uh, but never to the point where I felt a rage inside me like that. Um... And even growing up, as much damage as that's happened in my in my family history, um, there's never violence. There's never violence. There was never even yelling. We wouldn't even yell in our home at each other when we were in trouble by our parents. They would pause. We would take our space. We would come back, and we would discuss things calmly. That's how we handled things. So I, I definitely didn't know how to react when getting hit in the face after being told all these horrible things about yourself, being, you know, ripped away from your friends, not having anyone to, to trust. And then the one person that you think that you trust and that you love um, turns around and starts punching you in the face. Uh, I think it was just a, a knee-jerk reaction of, don't mess with me. And then I just kind of punched the steering wheel and then I punched the windshield. Um, and then it just got dead silent in the car. We drove home. Um, but that was just another incident that and the phone getting thrown at my face. I mean, all of these things are just, are just telltale signs of toxicity. Um, and I was hurting inside. I was damaged. I was, I was, ripped away from everything I had known, everything that I had built up in my head, everything that I had trusted. Um, and it was all turning into a facade. I was not recognizing myself when I looked in the mirror. I felt weak. Um, I felt abandoned, even though I was abandoning my friends. Um, I was feeling abandoned by my friends. I was also feeling like I had abandoned them. I didn't really know which way was up and which way was down. I didn't know who was telling the truth, what my own truth was, <clears throat> because I was being told, this is you, 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 this is them. Um, so constantly um, that it just changed who I was. And I began to just feel dead inside. Um, even by the time I moved to Buffalo, I didn't feel that my voice was heard anymore. I didn't feel that I had a voice. Um, unless I was at work 
or somewhere where where you know a safe circle of people that did not know her that did not know her at all which would essentially be work at that point for me um where i could just be myself and not have to worry about what people say which is how i always was before um It's hard going back and talking about these things. Uh, I haven't really revisited them in my memory bank for quite a while. But I just kind of want to tell my story so that you know who I am and the seriousness of, of a narcissistic person and how they can just slowly break you down no matter how strong you are no matter how smart you are um, no matter how anything you are no matter what it is a narcissist has a way to manipulate and damage and destroy anyone's life if you are not familiar with the information um, to stop them I mean it took me 12 years to find the answers to my questions, which was, oh, I'm in a relationship with a narcissist. Shit. You know, what's the answers? Oh, there is no answer. There is no fixing this. You mean I've been trying for 12 years to fix something that is just unfixable, which means I'm going to have to do the dirty work. I'm going to have to do the hard work. And I'm going to have to try to leave now that I have two children with this person. Um, you know, then you have to start doing research on moving on, divorcing a narcissist, um, having children with a narcissist, um, and having to find how to navigate. And I'm still navigating that. And, and I hope to get to a point in this series of podcasts where I can um, get us up to speed on where we are currently. Um, but the backstory is, is definitely important. So, you know, after all of that, I end up moving to New York, um, and at that point, I'm just, you know, she won. She won. At that point, it's game over. I have no friends. I have no family. I have nothing. I have nothing, no ties at all to the East Coast, um, and I, and she kind of had me exactly where she wanted me, isolated on my own island. Um, I would say that's kind of part one to my saga with my narcissist. Um, definitely a lot more I could go over, but I'm going to cut it short now. But, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, I'll continue on with my story and my history on our next episode. Thank you for listening.